Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read 1 to 13 um, for the sermon this morning. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left to us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter the rest, enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of, the, of unbelief. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time, as it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You may be seated. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These verses are the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew 11. In Hebrews 4 that was read, and also here in Matthew 11, um, the word rest is mentioned here a number of times. What do you think of when you think of rest? We probably all have in, in our minds a picture of when we have a hard day at work, we come home, sit in the easy chair recliner, maybe read a book, read a magazine, or maybe even take a nap. Or maybe some of us who are at home all day with the children, your um, image of rest would be when your husband comes home. Um, after supper, you let the children with the, your husband, and then you go out for coffee with yourself or with uh, one of your friends. Or maybe some of you rest might mean after a hard day at school. You come home and eat a snack, and then you go out and ride your bike, or you do some other hobby that you enjoy doing. Or maybe in some of you, when you think about rest, maybe thinking about the nap that you'll be taking this afternoon. This morning, I want to talk about God's rest for the believers. 
I want to look at what, what does rest mean? What does rest look like for the children of Israel? What does rest look like even for us as believers? And also the warning that some people may not be able to find that rest. I want to define rest. So what is rest? A definition that I got online is it means to cease from work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself, or recover strength. So in other words, it's stopping from your work to refresh yourself. Another, another definition is to be placed or supported so as to stay in a specific place. You're rooted in a particular spot. Another definition is to be based on or grounded in, depend on. In other words, it's placing your faith and trust in something that fills a need in your life, whatever that may be. When you look at the Bible, the definition that the Bible gives for rest has the same idea as the rest here that I got online. To see what rest really means, maybe we should go back in our Bibles to Genesis 2, where God rested. And if you like to, I'm going to read some verses there in Genesis 2. Turn there. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. As we think about rest, and as we think about God's rest, notice the word finish. Rest happened for God after he spent six days previously creating the world. God rested on the seventh day so that he could be refreshed after his labor, like it says in Exodus 31. It says that he can be refreshed. And I'm not sure what all is implied there. God does not get weary but he needed to be refreshed. And possibly just that he needed a break from his labors. When the heavens and the earth were created, God was finished with his work. He was finished with what he created, so he rested on the seventh day. And because God finished his work, he blessed and sanctified the seventh day, his day of rest. And the word uh, sanctified means to be set apart or to be consecrated. God's day of rest was something different than the rest of the, of the previous six days in that week. It was something that was set apart. When we think about rest in the Bible, I think we should remember the word finished. God was finished with his work. My topic this morning is not necessarily about the Sabbath or Sunday as much as it is about rest. And I, re I may refer to um, Sunday or Sabbath times in my message just because I think that Sunday and Sabbath day points to the rest that God 
gives us as Christians. So we need to ask a question, where does rest come from? And I'm going to go back to Hebrews 4 and pretty much spend the rest of my time in Hebrews 4 here. Um, I may be drawing other verses here and there, but I'll just quick read them. But back in Hebrews 4, where does rest come from? Almost every time that the word rest is used, the writer refers that we receive God's rest. Uh, we see in verse 1 and verse 10, he calls it his rest. Uh, verse 3 and verse 5, he refers to it, my rest. Rest doesn't come from us. We cannot, of our own selves, come up with rest that can provide rest or refreshment to our souls. True rest, true lasting rest, only can come from God. He's the author of it, and he is the one who created the rest. So looking at Hebrews 4, I think as we look through this chapter or this portion here, we need to think about who the book of Hebrews was written to. And I think we can better understand this, the chapter here. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish, Christ, no, Jewish Christians. These people were turning back to the traditions of their fathers. They were turning back to Judaism. They wanted to continue on doing the works of Judaism. The book of Hebrews was written to point out that Jesus is way better than the angels or than any man that they held up, like Moses. And during the time that the book was written, these people were being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. And because of the persecution, they wanted to go back to their old lifestyles, back to the traditions of the Judaism. The book of Hebrews is written to believers to encourage them to continue on placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it was also written to maybe unbelievers, those that were on the fence, those that didn't make their decision yet, those who knew about God, they knew who God was, but yet they rejected Jesus as their Savior. And we, we see in chapter 4 here that he is speaking to those who have heard the gospel. They've heard about Jesus, but haven't yet accepted him as their Savior. So we said the rest comes from God. How do we find the rest that God offers? And first of all, I want to look at how we don't find rest. And it brings it out different times, not only in this chapter, but also in chapter 3, which I'm going to re be referring to that a little bit as well. How don't we find rest? I'm going to read from Hebrews 3, 7 to 11. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said, that you always err in, in their heart, and they have not known my ways. 
So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. This chapter is speaking about the children of Israel before they wandered in the wilderness back in the Old Testament. What did God say was the reason that they didn't enter into his rest? And it is because it says there in verse um, 10, I think it is. It says that because they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Their heart was always going astray from God. They weren't focused on God. They didn't want to learn His ways. They didn't want to learn more about God. Also, in another way that we don't find rest, we see in um, Hebrews three eighteen and 19, And to whom swear that they should not enter into His rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It was because of their unbelief. They didn't believe in God that they didn't find rest. They didn't believe in the provision that he gave for them. They didn't place their faith in God and his ways. They were unbelieving in him. Also, Hebrews 4, 6, another verse that tells us how we don't receive rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. They enter not in because of unbelief. They didn't find rest because of unbelief. And also a verse from Psalms 38.3, There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. Unconfessed sin in our life. Um, there's no rest. Isaiah 57.20, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, where it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. It is the wicked, like the troubled sea, where there is no rest. It is because of unbelief, lack of faith in God, that we don't find rest. So back to my question, how do we find rest that God offers? Hebrews 4.3, it says, For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath, and if they shall enter into my wrath, although the works which were, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. We enter or we find rest because we believe in God, that he alone will provide. It is by placing our faith in Jesus Christ that he alone can give us rest. That it is Jesus, the one whom God provided for us, it is through him that we find rest. When we find rest in Jesus, we are finished with our self-human works in trying to come to the Father. And then on the seventh day of our spiritual life, or in our spiritual life, we find rest in Jesus. We place our trust, our faith in him, just like God was done with his works. And we can see that in verse 10 up here, Hebrews 4. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. 
also in Acts 2, 25, 27, um, about how to find rest. And this is Peter speaking about David in his sermon there in Acts 2. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. David had rest in his life because he believed that Jesus would be resurrected, which will then bring resurrection to his life as well. He had rest because he believed God about the future of his life. I think it is interesting that in the place where Jesus offers rest in Matthew 11, the verse that I read in the beginning, it is in that same chapter that Jesus pronounces judgment on Jewish cities, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. And why did he pronounce judgment on these cities? It says that these cities are not the, these cities are the places where he did his did most of his mighty works, but they repented not. In other words, they didn't believe that Jesus was the one sent from God, that Jesus was the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. At the very end of that chapter, he was Jesus was offering rest to the unbelievers. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Hebrews 3 and 4, many times where rest is mentioned, the word enter is also with it as well. We need to enter into God's rest. This morning when I came to church, I entered into the church house. I left the conditions that were outside, the cold, windy weather, um, and came into the inside, entered in, inside to the temperature that is comfortable and pleasant. When I entered in, I was no longer outside. In other words, there's a distinct line of being in or out. If I was outside, I was no longer inside, and the same is true if I was Inside, I was no longer outside. And that is the same for God's rest, entering into God's rest. We are entering into the, into the rest of God, and we are also exiting the unrest that an unbeliever or the unbelieving heart gives to a person. In Hebrews 3 and 4, there are two different meanings of the word rest in the Greek. And the first word is, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce it right, so it's sapatios, or sapatimis, sorry. It means keeping of the Sabbath rest from toils and troubles. And that is referred to the life to come, our eternal home. And there is only one form of this rest of that word in verse 9. And the second word is, um, I'm going to just spell it. I don't know how to pronounce it. K-A-T, 
K-A-P-A-U-S-I-S. And that means a causing to cease or putting to rest. And we can see that in verses 1, 3, 5, 10, and 11. And I think this rest, the second rest that I said, is, is what we experience right now when we, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If we look at chapter 4 here, there is a warning that is given in verse 1. We are to fear lest a promise of rest that is given freely to us, that there is any among us that they should come short of it. I think this warning in verse 1 is mainly for the unbelievers. Um, those who have, this is maybe also a warning for us as Christians, that those who have found the promise of rest, we are to warn those among us who haven't found the promise of rest, the unbelievers, those who have heard the gospel message, those who know about the promise of rest, but haven't received Jesus as their Savior. And it says that they come short, that didn't quite reach it of that promise. It didn't quite arrive to the promise of rest that was offered to them because of their unbelief. The unbeliever, those that aren't quite there, should be gripped with fear. They should be struck with fear to be seized with alarm that they need to enter into his rest, lest they come to the end of their life and just so haven't arrived in finding that rest that was promised to them. We see in chapter 3, and also it refers to here in chapter 4, that the children of, of Israel, um, they didn't enter into God's rest. Um, it says in verse 1, that let us therefore fear. Why are, we to, why are we supposed to fear? Because of what happened to Israel. And like I said, we can see that in chapter uh, 3, 7 to 19. In verse 2, we see that it wasn't that the children of Israel didn't hear the gospel message preached to them. They had heard the good news, the good news of rest promised to them. But they didn't mix it with faith. They refused to believe the goodness of God. Like I said, the gospel, the good news that is mentioned here is the good news of rest promised to the children of Israel. Rest of going into the land of Canaan. We need to believe and have faith in the gospel message that is preached to us. The gospel message that is proclaimed to us. Faith in the good news is the foundation of a believer. If faith is not the foundation of your spiritual life, I believe you're believing another gospel, which is not the good news. It doesn't profit you at all, but it's bad news. It also makes you an unbeliever of the true gospel message. This is what happened to the children of Israel. The first generation that came out of Egypt never went into the promised land, the land of rest. 
I'm going to read a comment from Charles Spurgeon about faith. It is by believing that we get rest. By no other means, not by scheming and plotting and planning and thinking and criticizing and judging and doubting and questioning, but it's by believing. The submission of the soul to God's truth, the yielding of the heart to God's salvation. This once done, we lie down in green pastures and are led beside the still waters. The gospel mixing with faith has the idea of blending together, to unite together. And an illustration of this mixture is when we eat food. Um, when we eat food, we put it into our bodies. But that food needs to be mixed with our saliva and gastric juice in order for it to profit our bodies. If they do not mix, it could lead to death. We need to mix the good news and faith to find rest. When we do that, it will bring life to our souls. And if we don't, it will also bring death to our souls. I'm going to look a little bit at the story of the children of Israel that led them to unbelief. And I'm going to be going back to the Old Testament um, yeah, with verses there. And you can just sit and listen to the verses as I read them. Back in the days of Moses, the children of Israel were living in the land of Egypt. They were slaves in that land. They were living in bondage to their slave masters. They were also afflicted and oppressed. These people were God's special people because of the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their father. God wanted to give them rest. And in order to do that, he would bring them out of the land of Egypt and into the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. I want to read a verse, verses in Deuteronomy 12, 9 to 11 that speak about um, rest. And this was before they went into the land of Canaan. For you are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. But when you, ye go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God giveth you to inherit, and when he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that ye dwell in safety, then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall, shoot, shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Also, I'm reading some verses from Exodus 3, and this is way back in the beginning when God was speaking to Moses before they left Egypt. Exodus 3, 7 to 9. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. Masters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of, the, out of that land unto a good land, and a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, 
and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. After a series of events, God did bring them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. In the Ten Commandments that we see in Exodus 20, and it's going on now after they left Egypt, God commanded the children of Israel to keep the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. What was the purpose of that commandment to them? I want to read a verse, verses from Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15. Keep the, the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. And then in verse 14 it says, um, everyone that's in their house shouldn't do any work at all, like their son and their daughter and their servants and their cattle. And then verse 15, And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So the purpose of the Sabbath day was so that they remember how they were a servant in the land of Egypt, working seven days a week, and how God delivered them from bondage and brought them into a land of rest. This command was first mentioned in Exodus 16, uh, when they were taught how to get to gather manna, they they were told to get manna every day, but then on the Friday they were told to gather enough for Saturday or the Sabbath day. The Sabbath, the Sabbath for the children of Israel is so that they are reminded of what God brought them out of, and what He was bringing them into, into a land of rest. And I think that should be the same for us today, every Sunday. It should remind us of the bondage that we were in before we were saved and are, not, are now brought into rest by faith. And just a thought about um, the Sabbath day, do you suppose people before the children of Israel kept the Sabbath day? Do you ever think that Abraham kept the Sabbath day or some of the other people before the children of Israel? I don't think that it's ever mentioned that Abraham did keep the Sabbath day. And I wonder if it's because of the connection between being in bondage or works of the flesh and then resting in the, in the deliverance of bondage. And if I'm wrong, I would definitely invite your input. So as the children of Israel, as they were going to the land of Canaan, the land of rest that God promised them, there were different times where God was well able to provide for them, but yet they complained about His provision. They tempted the Lord. It says that they would have rather gone back to the land of Egypt, back to the land of bondage, instead of trusting and believing in God that He would give them the rest that He promised them. And then I, I know it's... Um, some of those times were at the, was at the time before they went into the land of Canaan. They sent out 12 spies, 
and they were all discouraged about what the ten spies saw. Another time was when um, they didn't have water to drink, and they were complaining about that. They would rather have gone back to Egypt. Even though they were eventually reached the land of Canaan, they didn't find the rest that God offered them because of their lack of faith in God. They didn't totally conquer all the nations round about them. I want to read some verses in uh, Deuteronomy 28, 64, and 65. And the Lord shall scatter thee among all people from the one end of the earth even unto the other. And there thou shalt serve other gods which neither thou nor thy fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among these nations thou shalt find no ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. So they're saying, because they didn't conquer all the nations, that their soul, the soul of their foot, shall not find rest. Is it still that way today? There is still no rest for the children of Israel. There are countries attacking them. They are at war, and it has been that way ever since they entered into Canaan. There was no rest for them. But the story isn't finished yet with them, and I think that's what makes the story of the children of Israel so beautiful. God will extend his arm of mercy and grace to them. When God gives Israel rest, it will be at the time of the reign of Christ, which is still yet in the future. There are so many verses that we could read in Isaiah and Jeremiah about this. Um, but I'm going to read a verse from Jeremiah 46, 27 and 28. But fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and this is talking about the children of Israel. When it, refer, when it speaks about Jacob, it's referring to the children of Israel. But fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save thee from afar off, and I see from the land of their captivity. And Jacob shall return, shall return to where? The land of Canaan, and be at rest. Uh, sorry, i got to find my place. Yeah, and Jacob shall return and be in rest and at ease, and none shall make him afraid. Fear thou not, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord, for I am with thee, for I will make a full end of all the nations whither I have driven thee, but I will not make a full end of thee, but correct thee in measure, yet will I not leave thee wholly unpunished. All the nations round about them will be, God will make a full end of them. But yet Israel will still remain. The children of Israel will come to the place of rest that is only found in Christ Jesus. And the one that they rejected, and in Matthew where they didn't believe, they killed. They will come to Jesus Christ and then have the privilege of entering the promised land forever with Christ. What if you, like the children of Israel, have not quite entered into that rest that Jesus offers to all who come? You have gone 
to church all your life, yet you haven't yet committed yourself to Jesus, trusting that it is the only, trusting that it's only through his blood that cleanses away our sin. In verse 10 of Hebrews, it says that you should labor to enter into that rest so that you don't fall into unbelief. The word labor doesn't at all mean that we should work harder or follow after man's traditions just to gain favor with God. That's not at all what it means. To labor means to hasten, to make haste, to exert oneself endeavor, give diligence. In other words, make that commitment today. It is with urgency that you commit yourself to God. I want to look now at the judgment. There is a judgment as referred to here in Hebrews 4 about those that aren't that are riding on the fence that haven't made that commitment. Um, one day you will be judged. And how will they be judged? We can see that in verse 12 and verse 13. It is God's word that will judge us. The book that we hold in our hand, we will be, that will be our judge. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces through the body, laying open the innermost part of the soul. Our feelings, our passions, desires, our appetites. And it also searches our mind, the thoughts and the intents of the innermost being. It discerns the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. There will be no one hiding from this judgment, like it says in verse 13. The judgment of the word, because there will be no living thing that will not be judged. We will be laid open and laid bare before the one that we need to give an account to. And we definitely need to look at the results of those who have found rest in Jesus. And we see that in verse 9. The rest that people have found in Christ is the perpetual Sabbath rest. And that is to be enjoyed uninterrupted by believers in their fellowship with the Father and the Son. In contrast to the weekly Sabbath under the law. And I think this starts at the time that we are born again. We can have access to God. We can come boldly, boldly to Him through Christ. It says that this rest remaineth. It is something that is ongoing. And it will be much fuller when we enter into glory or when we go to heaven. We will experience rest like we've never experienced before. When we go, when we're in heaven, the rest from Jesus will be complete. Our salvation will be complete. Just like God was finished with creating the six-day week. I'm going to read a verse from verses from Revelation 14, 12, 13. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. 
from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and the works do follow them. Blessed are the, are the dead which die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors. They will be finished with their work, and will enter into an eternal life of rest, just like God was finished with his work and rested in the beginning of the world. Are you finished with your works, your human attempts to come to God? Are you enjoying the rest that Christ offers through placing your faith in Him? Or maybe you're so close. Um, you were raised in a Christian home. You went to church every Sunday. But yet you haven't fully turned to Christ. Now is the time today to come to Jesus so that you can experience that eternal rest and even rest today. And so that you are not like the children of Israel that never enter into the promised land because of unbelief. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's kneel to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for the rest that you provided for us. And, Lord, it's available for each one of us. I just want to thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for the eternal rest that we can have um, someday in heaven. I pray, God, that you would just be with each one of us. I pray that you would help us to be faithful, that we'd be found faithful until you call us home, so that we, too, can experience the rest from our labors here on the earth and our works. I pray, God, that you would just guide and direct us today, that we would be faithful to you, guide and direct our fellowship. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.